when we sing these words, um, they're not just words to a song that we're singing. We're telling our heart the direction it should go. The scriptures say our heart is deceitful above all things. It tricks us sometimes. It convinces us that the scenario we're in is maybe worse than it is. And so we speak to ourselves. It's like David in the Psalms says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. He's talking to his heart. So when we sing, God, you are good, no matter what situation you're at that you're coming into this morning, you're declaring, God, you're good, even though I don't feel like it, even though the situation doesn't seem like it, you're good, you're faithful, and I'm gonna believe that. And it directs our heart. It leads the pathway towards that. Would you put your hand on your heart? And let's shout this out together as one church. You are good. Come on, louder. You are good. One more time. You are good, God. Father, so many stories, so many things happening in in this congregation, God. And yet in the middle of it, there you are. And you are good and you're a faithful. And we will believe your report above any other report, God, this morning. We come against the call and the report of disease and sickness right now. We come against that. Depression, we come against right now. Mental health that says you're never, it's just a cloud. No, God will cut through. God is present. You are good. You are good. You are good. Come on, can we give God one more praise this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. Awesome. Well, go ahead and turn to someone as you're seated and say, man, it's about to get good. (laughs) Uh, Quick PSA. We want to mention something. Um, Next week, everyone say next week. Next week, um, Pastor John's back in the house. Okay, so we're excited for that. You don't want to miss that. But we're also uh, doing, you've seen in your program a couple weeks now, but it is next week and we want to highlight it. It's our back to school prayer. Um, I said this in the first service. Um, I don't know about you, um, but we look at our kids today that go to school and um, it's a different time, isn't it? Um, We can even say it's a war zone in many ways, spiritual and physical, right? And we just decided as a staff, you know what? Um, Let's start the year off right. Let's start the year off with God and a blessing. And so we're asking all of our students for each service, we're gonna, we're gonna ask each student to come up front, all of our teachers, doesn't matter, college, uh, elementary, teacher, doesn't matter, we're gonna call them all up, and we wanna pray a prayer of blessing over them, not just from the staff and the pastoral staff, but you too, as a church. Uh, the scriptures say that the young people are like the arrow in the hands of a warrior, and we want to pray that they go out as warriors, uh, to their schools, and that, it, that, that they come with that blessing, and they walk into that school knowing first day of school, um, man, I'm covered. God's goes, God goes before me. Sound good? Yeah. All right. You got your Bibles? We're going to dig in today. Turn to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to look at verse 10. That's where we're going to start. Um, would you read this with me together? Jacob left Beersheba. Come on, everyone together. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. 
And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending. Stop right there. Wouldn't you think if angels were doing anything, they would be descending and then ascending? Interesting. He says they're ascending and descending. Hmm, interesting. We'll get to that. Let's continue. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. God, this morning as we dig into your text, your word we know is alive, and it's activated, and it reaches us in different spaces in different parts of our life. And we pray that in this space, in this time, God, that you would uh, open our eyes, that we would... Um, awaken to something new that you want to teach us. Give us revelation, God, that we can walk out of here this week and have a different perspective. Uh, challenge us, shake us, God. We want to hear from you. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Question. Have you ever put God in a box? <laughs> Let me explain. Um, have you ever been going about your day? Uh, wake up, breakfast, work, um, come home, you know, sit through traffic, dinner, and just go through the normalcy of life, right? Just in and out. But then it gets close to Sunday morning, right? The weekend, and we pull the God box out, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And we go, okay, God, this is, this is your time. I want you to, and our hearts are genuine with it, right? It's not that we're fake about it. Um, God, this is your space. This is your time. Uh, speak to me. I want to hear from you. And we say all those things. And, and then Sunday's over, church is over. <laughs> you know, it winds down. And we put God you know, back in the box. Have you ever done this before? Um, how about this? Maybe you're an A student. <laughs> Maybe you drive on your way to work and you listen to a podcast, a sermon from your favorite preacher, right? And, and it's, you pull the God box out. All right, God, this is my time. Like, I want you to speak to me right? You pull out a book, maybe. Maybe you're an A-plus student. You wake up every morning, right? And you say, this is my quiet time, God. And you pull the God box down. And you pull your Devo out. You're, you get on your knees. You pray, God, this is your space. This is your time. Would you speak to me? And then we go about, you know, with the rest of our lives, just the normalcy of life. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I don't pull my box out as much, Maybe you feel guilty about that. Maybe you say, there's some dust on my God box. Um, and you, you say stuff like, oh, I should read my Bible more. I should pray more. I should go to church more. I really need to pull that God box out. Have you ever done this before? How about this? Have you ever labeled something God and put it in the God box? <laughs> Uh, Chris Tomlin, worship music. Yes, this goes here. Uh, Lady Gaga goes way over here. We don't put that. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever labeled God before? We do this all the time. It's in our vocabulary, right? We, we, have, we label things Christian and secular, right? 
You've heard this before. We do it all the time. My question, though, uh, begins to unravel when I start asking is God, can God be in any place? Can God be and operate through anything? Can God speak through entertainment? Can God speak through Lady Gaga? Can I meet God at a Jay Z concert? <laughs> Hello? Can I meet God at a rated R movie? Can I meet God in a triple X movie? I had a man tell me one time that he had an encounter one time watching. And God showed up and said, you know, you're watching my daughter. <laughs> had a God moment. That bugs me. <laughs> Does that bug you? Like, do you label things? Do we do this? where we can meet God and we say, this space is for God. And, and, and then we also label all those things, entertainment. Can I meet God in the news? <laughs> Driving in traffic on C470. No, <laughs> this is the devil, man. <laughs> and it's not our fault. We, we've grown up in this culture. Uh, philosophers, they call it platonic dualism. And it dates back all the way to the Greeks. The famous philosopher Plato, for the first time in history, argued that there are two different worlds that we operate in, spiritual world and then our normal life, the physical realm, our flesh and blood and dirt. And we operate in both worlds. They coexist, but we move inside and outside of that. And there's spirituality, and then there's just life. And we even have adapted this into the afterlife. We say, well, when my life is done, when I'm over with and I die, then my physical life will die, my body and the earth, and I will leave and I will go and float in the clouds forever in my spiritual life, right? We have this separation. Did you know in the biblical Hebrew, there's no word for spirituality? They just don't have it. For an observant Jew, growing up, everything was spiritual. Even in the modern Hebrew, the word for spirituality is derived from our English word. It's like they had to adapt a word and make up a word just for us Westerners. Like, yeah, I guess this can be called spiritual if you want. But for them, everything was spiritual. This is why we have a hard time when we hear things like the Holy Land, right? And we read things about sacrifice and blood and we go, that, that doesn't float so well with my idea of this being spiritual and this being kind of the physical thing. And, and we're so good at dividing and putting God in a box and saying, this is your area and these are your things. And outside of that, I've got work and I've got normal things and I'm doing my thing. Are you with me? <clears throat> so the question that I wanna ask is, is God at work in everything? Because I think this is the tension we find Jacob in the story. Like he's on the run from his brother and he can't, sets up camp one night just by himself, right? Maybe makes a hearty meal, a couple of noodles, I don't know, right? Grabs his favorite rock, like you do, <laughs> puts it under his head, and, and he falls asleep. There was nothing about that scene that said, this is a holy place. There was nothing about that narrative, that story that said, God's about to show up. <laughs> there were no angels like, ah, you know, just preparing him. He had no idea. This was just a normal, average day with a normal, average sleep time. But then he dreams. 
And God speaks to him in the dream. And he gives him a promise. And in that promise, he says, I'm going to give you this and I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. And then he wakes up. And what is Jacob's response? He looks at this rock, he looks at this space and he goes, oh my word, God was in this place and I had no idea. I didn't even know it. Which then maybe leads to the question is, was God always here and I never noticed it? And if God is always here and I didn't even notice, where else has God been that I never noticed? Have I missed God? Have I walked by the seemingly normal parts of my life and missed God at work? God doing something in my midst. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even recognize it. It's like Jacob's radar is all of a sudden turned on. And his eyes are open. He awakes from a physical sleep, but he's also now awakened in his spiritual life. Hmm. Wait a minute. You mean God was in this space? That's the last place I would have thought he would have been. And yet he was here and I didn't even know it. And I think a lot of times, church, we walk around asleep, missing obvious miracles that God's doing around us. And we don't even notice it. It's like we're standing on the edge of the Red Sea with Moses and Moses has pounded his staff and the, the, the sea is parted and we begin to walk down together as a church down on this ground and it's a little muddy and, and clay and we're like, this is just like Egypt. Can you believe this? I'm so tired of walking. Can you? And we're so focused on keeping our head down that we're missing the miracle that's on our right and on our left. Can God be at work? Can God be speaking? Can God be present in our normal parts of our day? In the parts that we may even think he should be absent. I want to dive into the text. I want to unpack this and I want to see what the scriptures have to say about this. Because I think, I think we're on to something here. I think God wants to open our eyes, to awaken us to something so much more that we might be missing when we put God in a box. If you got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17. Now, Jesus um, had just healed a person at the Bethesda pool, but he did it on the Sabbath day, which was a no-no. Like, you don't do any work uh, on the Sabbath day. And so he had all kinds of objection, all kinds of people that were just bumping heads with him. And so Jesus responded by saying this in John. In his defense, Jesus said to them, listen to this. My father is what? My father is what? always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. It's like Jesus, like, I gotta, I gotta teach you guys. You gotta, you gotta see this. Like, I know you think God clocks in at nine to five and, and then he's done. And it's not how he works though. This is not how God operates. God is always at work. He's always, while you're sleeping, while you're awake, while you're at work, my father is at work and so am I. It's never ending and we love it. <laughs> Psalms chapter 139 says this, the psalmist writes, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, well, guess what? You're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there too. 
If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, God, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness, yeah, the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, man, God, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. It's like the psalmist is saying and and shouting to us, like God is always at work, even in the places you don't think. If I go to the heavens, man, he's there. If I go down to Sheol, if I go to hell, he's even there. His presence is as far east as it is west. It's morning, night, 24-7. No matter where you're at, I can't escape it. He's at work and his presence is there. It's like the scriptures say this over and over and over to us. Don't put God in a box. He doesn't have a space. Can I be honest with you? If we really sat down and and itemized what we put God in a box with or what we label him with, that God that you just put in a box, you wouldn't even want to serve a God like that. Am I right? That's not a God. That's your formulation. That's my formulation of a God. And here in the scriptures, he's reverberating and resonating with us saying, I'm always at work and I don't stop. I want to go back to this guy. His name's Moses. We just talked about him. Um, Jacob awakens and he realizes this radar that has to be on. And we're going to read in just a second a story about Moses, who I think's already had his radar on, already had that turned up. And and I think if we lean in a little bit, if we dive deep into this, I think we can learn something here. I think we can actually learn what I call just the art of presence. God's presence, we're just argued is all around. He's always at work. But how do I notice those things? How do I recognize those things? How do I go about my normal day? Like I come here, I experience God in a song, right? I hear a message and something connects. I want that out there. Do you want that out there? I want it in my drive. I want it with my kids. I want it everywhere I go. God, I want to wake up and I want to see your presence at work and you doing something. So Exodus chapter 3, we're introduced here to Moses. And uh, it says here, now Moses, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, stop there real quick. This was not uncommon. In fact, this was very common in the desert. To see a bush catch on fire as a shepherd especially who roamed. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 7, verse 30, uh, uh, Stephen, before he's stoned to death and martyred, um, he tells the story of Moses and he says, it gives us the description that Moses had been walking through that desert by those bushes for 40 years, okay? So Moses knows this. This is very familiar to see a bush just catch on fire. It was very common, but this one was different. And it says, he looked and behold, the bush was burning Yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burning. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called to him from out of the bush, 
Moses, Moses. Now, there are seven times that uh, God calls someone's name twice in a row throughout all of the Bible, throughout all the scriptures. Each time God does, your ears should perk up, okay? Because someone's life is about to change in a major way. Someone's pathway, someone's direction in life is about to get altered in a major way. Saul, Saul, right? Mary, Mary. I encourage you, go check it out. But here, for the first time, we see God call out, Moses, Moses, and we know something significant's about to happen in Moses' life. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, this is interesting, because here you have Moses going about his normal work week, right? Once again, nothing said that this moment Something special. There was no road sign saying, veer off here for God, right? There was none of this. He was just going about his shepherding business, and all of a sudden, a bush was on fire. Okay, that's normal. I've seen this before. Wait a minute. Something's different. This bush is on fire, and it's not being consumed. Question. How long do you have to stare at something burning to notice that it's not being consumed. 10 seconds, one minute, five minutes. Like, what is it? How long did Moses have to pause there? How long did Moses stop and go, wait a minute, let me see this. What is happening? And then he leans in and listen, church, this is interesting. God doesn't do anything until Moses stops to recognize it. Moses could have kept walking. Oh, another bush, another day, here we go. But he didn't this time. He paused because his radar was on. You, you with me? His radar was up and he leaned in. And it was then that God said, Moses, Moses. And Moses receives his calling and God says, man, oh, I've got good things for you and I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. I wanna be a person whose radar is turned on for burning bushes. I don't know about you. I wanna go about my normal work week and I wanna see a burning bush and I wanna stop enough to recognize it. So what is the art of presence? How do we practice this? I'm gonna give you two things. Two things and then we're gonna wrap it up. Two things that we can walk away with and say, I can start here, God. And the first thing in your notes, if you're taking it, is awareness. We have to be aware. We have to be ready. We have to be, we have to have our radars turned on, if you will. For God to be able to speak in any moment, through any situation, doesn't matter. A Jewish scholar one time wrote this in his book. Uh, the burning bush was not a miracle. It was a test. And God wanted to find out whether or not Moses could pay attention to something for more than a few minutes. When Moses did, God spoke. The trick is to pay attention to what is going on around you long enough to behold the miracle without falling asleep. We live in a day and age, right, that... It's so easy for us to just get in neutral. Does that make sense? To just go about the day. And we have to learn to turn our radars on 
and say, God, I want you to speak. I, you're, you're present. You're, please, I don't want to miss these moments. A couple years ago, um, I was going through a real dark time in my life. I was diagnosed with severe depression. Um, I was on medication. Um, I was having suicidal thoughts every day. I, was, I wasn't going to do anything, but I just couldn't. My, my brain just couldn't not think about it. It was dark. <clears throat> and I had quit doing ministry. I took a job doing graphic design at a place. I didn't want anything to do with ministry. I just wanted to see what God was doing in my life. I was so frustrated and broken. I remember uh, one morning I was spending some time with God. And when I say spending time with God, I mean I was yelling at God <laughs> and kind of complaining and whining. And God, why, why am I going through this? What is this all about? And I'll never forget uh, this morning because I felt impressed on my heart. The father say, uh, Jake, uh, what do you love? And I was like, okay, that was the pizza last night. Like, let's just move on, God. And I kept, I kept praying and just, you know, complaining and whining. And then I heard it again, just this knock on my soul, just, Jake, what is it you love in life? I just want to know the little things that you love. And I'm like, this is so stupid. What does this have to do with anything? And again, I just moved on. And a third time, finally, the knock comes. Jake, I really want to know, what is it that you love? And finally, I was like, okay. And I had to pause and I had to stop and process this and think about it. What is it that I love in life? I said, okay, all right. This is, you know what I love? I'll tell you what I love. I love riding my bike. I love cycling. I love cycling oh, on a gorgeous day when the scenery just hits and the right song just comes on in my headphones. I love that. Uh, I love cake. <laughs> I love pizza. Uh, I do graphic design sometimes. So I said, I love typography. I love fonts. I'm a font nerd, man. Uh, and, and so I just go on. I'm just giving these seemingly dumb little things. And, and then it's just silent. <laughs> Nothing. And I'm like, whatever. This is weird. And I go about my day. And at the time, I'm riding my bike into work. And it's early that morning. The sun's not even out. It's dark. And I come over this one hill, and I'm ready to about drop down this hill. And right as I'm coming up, the sun is just coming up and hits. And right as that's coming up, the song Come Sail Away by Styx is playing. Oh, you're like, you heathen. Uh, it's hitting, and it hits at the right part of you know what I'm talking about, you other heathens. <laughs> and I, it took my breath away. I just stuck, and all of a sudden, I remembered my conversation with God. And it was just God stopped me in that just normal moment and said, Jake, you know what? You love that? I love that because you love that. I love you. Okay. I pull up to a stop sign or stop light and, you know, cars are going by, this and that. And I look down and on the ground amongst all just the rubble of the road is a little nut that I know belongs on a bike. And again, something so dumb that I just would have passed by every other day, God just whispers, I love you, Jake. <laughs> I get into work, and I'm doing some design, and a coworker says, hey, Jake, can you come look at this? And I go look at this design for this sign, and I go, what font is that? That is a cool font that you got. And all of a sudden, it clicks again, and I'm like, oh, my word. And I just start laughing. I'm like, 
<laughs> and they're like, what is wrong with you? Are you drinking or something? I'm like, man, this is nuts. God just loves me. I'm just, this is, my radar was turned on. God was opening my eyes. I can meet you in prayer time. I can meet you in those designated spaces, but I want to meet you and I want to see you and I want to converse with you all throughout the day, Jake. You're riding bike, I'm there with you. When you go to work, when you're watching kids, when you're sitting in traffic, I see it as opportunity to be with you. We have to be aware. We have to walk around with our radars turned on. Let's be a church that is known as those who turn their radars on for burning bush moments. What do you think? And the second thing is this, being present. We have to be present. I want to show you this verse. It's found in Exodus. It's Moses just a little bit later. He's getting the Ten Commandments. And God gives him this instructions, this imperative. He says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments which I have written for their instruction. Now, when you break down this phrase, it's, we read it, come up to me on the mountain and wait there. That word wait there, it's a Hebrew word. It's pronounced haya. Everyone say haya. haya. Um, the word wait, it does fit. It makes sense there, and especially when we read it in our way. But a better translation uh, would be to sit, translate it as be. Everyone say be. And this just seems weird because God says, Moses, I want you to come up to the mountain, come up to the mountain and be. <laughs> it's like a double imperative. Like, didn't you just say that? I'm going to come up to the mountain. What is God saying here? What is he giving instruction for? This is what he's saying. He's like, Moses, when you come up and you're here, I want you to be here. I want you to be present. Question, listen up, listen up. How many of you have been paying more attention to my friend Jordan over here <laughs> setting up, right, than the words I've been talking about? Come on, give him a hand, man. He's, he's been taking the brunt of this for three services. <laughs> Why do I do that? I want to illustrate this, how easy it is for us to be present but not present. Does that make sense? To be here but not here. We live in a day and an age where technology gives us so many advantages, but it also gives us disadvantages. And it allows us to be distracted and our mind is split sometimes in two different ways and a burning bush could be sitting right next to us. We could see it and move on just as quickly because we're trained to do that. How many burning bushes have we walked by just because we didn't press in and actually become present in being there? If being aware is turning on the radar, then being present is turning up the radar and saying, God, when I see these moments, I want to lean in. I want to press in. What are you saying? Are you saying something? Are you here? Because I don't want to miss it. I don't want to pass by a holy moment just because I'm going about my day. Now, the cool thing about this, church, if we get this, if we really get this, if we walk out these doors and we become aware, right? And we start being present to these moments. One, church won't be the highlight of the week. Hello? Because we'll be meeting God throughout the week. 
It'll be the cherry on top, yes. But here's what will make it even better, is it enables us to see the Great Commission the way it was intended to be. You all know the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, right? Making disciples of everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father. We all know the Great Commission. We know the instructions. And in our minds, within our Platonic dualism, we separate it and we say, okay, the Great Commission is about taking God, right? Taking God to the people. But when we understand this idea and practice the art of presence, it's not taking God to the people. It's pointing out where God is already at to the people. Hello? We become tour guides. Pointing out, did you see that? Do you know what that is? Let's talk about it. Let me show you this. God's at work in this. You didn't even see that, did you? You didn't even think that could be. I was doing a wedding about a year and a half ago, um, and I sat down with the couple. Weddings nowadays are so unique. <laughs> they, every wedding surprises me. They have something new that they do, something new they practice or something. And so I have to sit down with people and, and kind of get their heart and what they want you know, for the service. And, and we sat down, and a beautiful couple, all excited. And I said, well, what are you thinking about for the service? And, and they told me, um, listen, we grew up in church you know, went to, to mass when we did. And, and, you know, our friends are here and they don't go to church. And Jake, um, I know you're a pastor, but could you please just like refrain from talking about God throughout this, throughout just the message and, and the service? And I said, well, I, I guess it's kind of my occupation, but <laughs> um, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, well, we were thinking like, we're, we're Colorado people. We're outdoorsy people. We love the outdoors. And we've done all kinds of, we bike outdoors, we hike. And have you ever been, and they start going on. They're like, have you been to Moab and seen the sunrise out there and the waterfalls at Multnomah Falls and, and, and Hawaii at this time of the season? And they're just, they're going off on this. And I'm like, okay, well, I, yeah. I, anything else you want me to talk about? And they're like, well, um, maybe you can talk about how, um, marriage should be like self-sacrificial. Like, you know, we should sacrifice for each other and, and talk about how love, you know, is, is about being faithful and, and, and they're going off on all these things. And I begin to smile because I don't know about you, but you, you may be hearing and going like, um, those words you were talking about, about the sunrise, I think that's taken directly from the Psalms. I think you guys were literally quoting the book of Psalms um, and the beauty of nature that, you know, that's God created that, right? And when you're doing that, you're actually interacting with your creator. Um, and all that beauty that you see, that's, that's God. And they were kind of taken back. They were like, huh, um, never thought about that before. And I go, and talking about self-sacrificial love, like nothing's greater than the, the narrative of Jesus on the cross, sacrificing his life for, for his people. Like that's the greatest model of love that we have and faithful. Are you kidding me? Like Paul, I think uses those words that love is faithful. Love is kind. And they stood back and they go, wow. Like I, we just never thought of, we grew up in church and we just thought God was, you know, in church at mass on, on Sundays and, and Saturdays. And, and this is kind of stuffy, you know, God that we knew. And by the end of our time, our conversation, they I said, Jake, do you think you could talk about God in our marriage, in our wedding ceremony? I said, absolutely. Because when we become aware of his presence and we learn the art of presence, I just, I'm just a tour guide. That's all I'm doing. 
I'm just pointing out, did you notice this? That's all I'm doing up here on a weekend is pointing out, hey, did you notice God is here and God is there? And he says this and he says that. And did you ever see this? It's not taking God to them. God's already at work all around us. I'm just pointing it out. I'm aware of it. Are you following me? The greatest thing about this, of all of it, about being present, about learning the art of presence, is that it's the greatest thing that shows us that God is with us, that he's close, that he's nearby. Jesus is given the name Emmanuel, God with us. That's not an accident, church. He's declaring his character there. He's telling you, I don't want to be a God that just floats on a cloud throwing lightning bolts out at people. That's not me. I'm a God who is with you. And when we become aware and when we become present, when we learn this, we're actually saying and teaching our heart, God, you're as close as my breath right now. That's so amazing that God can do that. When you look at Jacob, when his eyes are awake and, and he sees that God was present, he gives him a promise. But then at the very end of the promise, he says, Jacob, I will never leave you. And he says this, I have seen my people and I have heard their cry. I'm not back here. I'm pressing in. I'm present. When he talks to Moses, one of the things he says at the very end is, I will never leave you. God's presence gives us this assurance that he, the God of the universe, think about that. The God who commands the waves and, and tells the birds to sing and, and, and gives uh, inspiration for architecture all over the world, that God is right next to you and he wants to be. A couple of years ago, I was on vacation with a couple of our family members and we were eating at a fast food place and we were all kind of wrapping up and I had finished my food first and I said, I'm gonna go to the car and start cooling it down. You know, dad roll 101, you know, you gotta learn that on the resume. And so I head out to the car and I'm all by myself. Everyone else is finishing up there <clears throat> and I'm sitting in the car, AC's cranked and I look about 25 feet in front of me, there's some nice trimmed bushes and in it I see... <laughs> a probably 13, 14-year-old teenager uh, with his head in the bushes. And I don't have to see everything to know what is happening because his head is going back and forth, back and forth. And I know this kid is, is just ralphing up his shoe for all I know. Like it, he is just going at it. And right behind him is someone that I can only assume is his dad. He's an older gentleman and he's back there just patting his back. <laughs> Like, it's okay. <laughs> a totally normal scene that I could have seen on any given day. But my radar was on. And my radar was turned up. And I said, God, is there something here? Is your holy presence in this space? And I leaned in. <laughs> and you know what God said? He said, isn't this the worst? <laughs> and I said, it is. I hate throwing up. It, anyone, it's, it's the worst. There's nothing worse than that. And, and I felt like God said, you know what makes it just a little better? And I said, what? He said, having someone with you, right? Having someone with you. And, and Jake, you know what 
is even better than that is having someone with you who's been through something like that. And as I looked at this normal situation that I would have passed by a thousand days in a row, I see this father patting him on the back and I see my father patting me on my back and saying, I know what you're going through, Jake. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. (laughs) I've been through it. I've been rejected. I've seen the hurt. My son has experienced the pain and I'm here to tell you it's, it's all right. It's gonna be okay. What if I missed that? What if I just walked past that? My family comes back, I'm tears streaming down. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, just allergies or something. I don't know. AC's blowing up. God met me in a totally non-holy, normal day. And he can do that with you. I don't stand up here to brag with these stories. I stand up here and I tell them because it's your story too. It can be your opportunity too. The God of the universe wants to connect with you, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at work, on traffic, in the bathroom, reading a book, watching a movie, talking with your kids, having a drink at the bar, all of it. God can be present if you're aware and you're present in the moment. Lean in. Let's be a church that's known for this. Let's be a church that people talk about. Man, Sunday's great. (laughs) Weekends are awesome here. But man, you should come with me during the week. That's when God really gets down to business. Let's be a people known for that. (laughs) Jacob sees in his dream angels ascending and descending. And when you read it, you would think naturally that angels would be descending and ascending. (laughs) And you can read all kinds of scholars and different theologians, try to explain it. We don't have a defined reason why, but do you know what I think? I think the reason angels are ascending and then descending is because their primary work is done here all the time, day in and day out, and they just go home and check in every once in a while to come back down. God is at work always. Let's open our eyes. Let's not put him in a box and label him because that's not the God you wanna serve anyways. Let's be present to what God is doing throughout the week. Let's pray. God, Sundays are great. Weekends are great here. But God, Pastor John a couple weeks ago talked about, and I believe prophetically, talked about a rain that was coming. And God, last night we saw the rain once again come here. And we saw the power that it can have, how it how it can change the atmosphere. God, when you pour out, when you rain down, we don't wanna miss it. We don't wanna miss it just because we're going about our normal day and we've put you in a box. God, can we go forward with our eyes open and aware that you're at work and you've always been at work. God, give us burning bush moments. In your name we pray. Everyone said.
Amen. Now, Jubilee, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May God make the mundane memorable and the seemingly normal days holy again. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.